0: This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad.
1: It is a Tuesday Drive where there is still a lot of despair for the hair or tank for Trevor talk in Panther circles. And I get it, they're 0-2 and Christian McCaffrey's going to miss the next month. But I want to burst that bubble now. So that way I can help some of you reset your expectations for what we're going to see over the next 14 months. The Carolina Panthers will end up being too good to pick Trevor Lawrence number one. The Panthers, Robert, they're much like the way I describe myself hitting up the bar scene when I was in Greenville, America back at ECU. I was never seen to be a good looking guy, but I wasn't the most terrible looking guy on the bar. I'm good looking enough to have a woman maybe give me her phone number. That was that was me. I could be charming enough. I can win in some circumstances. Yay, I got the number. Yay, I'm the charming guy. while there are some dudes that you pi- you picture in that circumstance that probably are fighting an uphill battle just because of how rough it is. You know what I'm describing here, Robert? An ugly man at the bar, yes. That's exactly what I'm describing here. So, you know, the Panthers, it's not great. You're not going to make the playoffs, but you're not the worst guy in the room here. They were competitive the first two games. Not everybody can say that. Carolina, they were playing a playoff team in Tampa in their place September 1 o'clock humid Florida they were down 21 to nothing they didn't roll over they got back in the game it was a one touchdown game in the final two minutes the Las Vegas Raiders we learned last night not a terrible football team they are 2-0 and after taking out the New Orleans Saints who many people myself included thought had the best roster in the entire NFC the Jets the Giants they're both awful Neither game they competed. Uh, The Vikings, they got housed by Green Bay, and I don't care what the final score ended up being. I think they got within 10. That game was over and over quick. They got housed by the Colts a few days ago. The Detroit Lions, they blew a lead against Mitchell Trubisky and looked pretty terrible against Green Bay as well. Their score being doubled on Sunday. The Panthers, they're better than all of those teams. They're better than the Jaguars, too. Even though Gardner Minshew putting up some numbers, man. When you look at completion percentage, I think at the very top of the league, it's Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, and Gardner Minshew. They're at the very top of the NFL in completion percentage, as we all predicted. The Panthers, they haven't had a devastating injury yet. Robert, where does the expression knock on wood come from? I don't know, but I can try to find that for yeah, you. Yeah, that would help. Is anything in the studio would – it feels necessary to yeah, knock, knock on the microphone or something uh, after saying something like that. But they're getting KK Short back. Christian McCaffrey, he's going to be back in a month. And rest assured, he is going to come back. I see some people saying, rest him for the rest of the season. Yesterday, I said put him in bubble wrap. But that doesn't mean sit him the entire year. He's going to want to play. He's a captain for this team. He expects to be out there. He expects to play. So I expect that to happen, but in a month's time. You want to make sure that high ankle sprain is healed. You could get Dennis Daly back. Those those are all players that would start for Carolina week one. KK and Christian McCaffrey, of course, starting, but Dennis Daly not starting yet because he hasn't been healthy enough to do so. Many teams, they're missing key guys, and they're not going to get them back. The Giants, they're not getting Saquon back. 0-2 Denver, they lost Von Miller for the year. Corton Sutton for the year. They lost Drew Locke, their quarterback, for a long period of time. The Jets, they put Le'Veon Bell in that three-week IR. Prashad Perryman got hurt over the weekend. Chris Hogan got hurt. Their starting center got hurt. Carolina hasn't had a bad injury bug early on in the year, so that's important thing, an important thing to note. Before I move off of injuries, Robert, where does the expression knock on wood come from?
0: Uh, pagan cultures believed that spirits lived inside trees, so they thought that knocking on those trees would wake up and rouse those spirits, or you could use it as a way to show appreciation for something.
1: Don't say you didn't learn anything on today's show. Pagan beliefs involving wood and spirits, yeah. That's a, that's a good nugget there. Looking at the schedule, the Carolina Panthers, it's not as daunting as the other 0-2 teams that are contending to despair for the hair. Those teams, they have brutal schedules. Carolina doesn't. The Panthers play five teams that have started 0-2. The rest of the way, five teams that started 0-2. That's more than Denver. That's more than the Giants. That's more than the Jets play. All three of those teams that I just mentioned, Carolina, I think, is better than, but all three of those teams, if they're picking number one, they're going to pick Trevor Lawrence. And even if Trevor has an injury like Tua did last year, he's going to be the number one pick. There aren't enough guys playing this year that can lap Trevor the way that Joe Burrow did a year ago. There aren't enough games as a sample size that can change these opinions either. Also, I just think Clemson's too damn good to get knocked off for them not to be playing in the college football playoff. Fingers crossed that we get to that point. You can tweet the show at Sports Up Triad if you'd like to. On Twitter, that's where you can find us. 336-777-1600. Do you believe the Panthers are too good to despair for the hair? To get Trevor Lawrence on their team. I want to transition things to the big headline last night. Michael Jordan is getting involved in the NASCAR game. He is going to co-own a NASCAR team with Denny Hamlin, who was the one driver in the Cup Series that wore Jordan brand gear. So they had a close relationship. Denny Hamlin is to the Hornets what Jack Nicholson has been to the Lakers, probably the biggest celebrity fan that the Hornets have. So they get together. They're friends. They've been friends for the last decade. And Bubba Wallace was no longer going to be racing... Uh, with his prior team, now he's looking for new representation. And it seems it's going to be Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin's one-driver NASCAR team. They're building it around bubble Wallace which is a really neat deal here. But it furthers this theory that I have that Michael best embodies the North Carolina sports scene. There's no one I can think of in the history of North Carolina sports, that better represents what we're all about than Michael Jordan. I get we've had the Panthers and the Hornets around for the last 30 years, but those are still newer franchises. The Carolina Hurricanes, still a newer franchise. So when I think about what North Carolina does best in sports, I think about four things. I think about college basketball, I think about golf courses, auto racing, and fishing. Those are the four things. We've got beautiful bodies of water. We've got oceans. We've got lakes. We've got the best golf courses you're going to find here in the triad. you got Sedgefield. You've got, um, obviously, uh, the Pinehurst, which is the USGA, is going to have a campus, they announced, A few weeks ago, they're going to build that, which is a really neat deal. Wilmington has a great course. You can find great ones in the Triangle, too. And Charlotte's even had a U.S. Open. So a ton of great courses. NASCAR, I don't need to spell out the history there and what Charlotte represents. For Michael to get involved with it, it's a really cool deal. He grew up in Wilmington. His dad used to drive him the races. Rick Bunnell, who's a guest on today's show... Had a really neat interview with Michael. It was an exclusive that I strongly suggest you read. But he's a lifelong NASCAR fan. He loves golf. He's dropped a lot of money gambling on a golf course. And earlier this year during the pandemic, there was the Big Rock Blue Marlin Fishing Tournament, and Michael had a team. He had a team and wanted to win. He was really competitive. So it's not just basketball when it comes to Michael. He best embodies the North Carolina sports scene. I imagine Brad Doherty maybe played a role in Michael wanting to get into NASCAR considering Brad has been begging NBA guys to invest in NASCAR and they haven't done so until now. Remember, Brad and Michael were North Carolina teammates way back when. But what a year it's been for the sport of NASCAR. 2020, it's an asterisk year for everybody. It's going to be one of those milestone years that you circle decades from now. But for NASCAR, they were the first sport back. First sport uh, sport to return to regular play. They adopted beautifully, never really had a major disruption. They adjusted their schedule. Finally, we saw midweek races, including a night race in Darlington, which I thought was really cool. And they banned the Confederate flag. I've made it pretty clear how I feel about that. Thank goodness, good riddance. We don't need it at NASCAR events. And now they've added MJ to the mix? How about that? Bubba Wallace, he is now the face of the sport. He's the face of the sport. Now he just needs to have some success. He's a younger guy. He's partnered with MJ. He's going to be wearing Jordan brand gear. Michael Jordan and Bubba Wallace allow for NASCAR to bring in new fans. Something... That has been impossible for the sport to do over the last decade. A sport that's lost more of its television audience than any major sport I've seen over the last 10 years. More than baseball, uh, more than hockey, it is NASCAR. And the television ratings have eroded precipitously. Michael Jordan can help with that. Bubba Wallace can help with that. Getting rid of the Confederate flag... Yeah, that helps. So good on NASCAR. What a year it's been for them, and a really neat story for Michael Jordan to get involved again with auto racing. The Carolina Panthers, as I mentioned, they don't have Christian McCaffrey. They're not going to have him for the next month. But they're going to be getting back a guy I will argue is more valuable than CMC. That's next on The Drive.
2: Instead of just talking, why don't you listen? That's why you have people call in. Listen for a minute. Oh, welcome back to the Happy Circle. This
3: is The Drive with Josh Graham. All right,
1: so the bad news is Notre Dame-Wake Forest is going to be postponed for this weekend after seven fighting Irish players tested positive for COVID earlier today. But the good news comes via C.L. Brown, North Carolina beat writer for the News and Observer, who broke the news that North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper is expected, and it seems it's now official, is going to announce that attendance for stadiums can be up to 7% capacity starting next weekend, which is when the Carolina Panthers are set to host the Arizona Cardinals. If you're wondering what 7% of Bank of America Stadium, you're looking at a little over 5,000 fans. Keenan Stadium would be around 3,500 fans. It's good news, I think, for the radio quality we listen to, having some of that crowd noise, and somebody I know is happy about that is Jim Zoki, the longtime Panthers radio announcer, kind enough to spend some time here. Give me a sense, after watching the first two games, one in Tampa and one against the Raiders, the opener um, at Bank of America Stadium. What's something you realized upon arriving in the press box and calling that game you maybe took for granted in the past, but you found yourself missing after watching the first two weeks without fans?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's easy. There's just, a, there's just an energy that doesn't exist without fans. and uh, You can pipe in noise, you can pipe in music and PA and, and, and those kind of things. But there's nothing, especially that first game at home against, the Raiders, you think how crowd have made a difference even in that game for the Panthers uh, in a tight game in the fourth quarter when uh, say the Raiders had the ball and were trying to make noise and, and do the things that good fans do. So it, that, there's just, again, they're doing the best they can, as we all are in a tough situation. But, yeah, the, the easy thing is yeah, just that, that energy and just that humanness of having fans in the stadium is just missed.
1: And I hear some people saying, what's the point of just having 7% come in? I'm telling you, 5,000 people being in the stadium, it makes a world of difference with how the game sounds and looks. Don't you agree?
3: It does because, you know, it's still a confined area. It's still a bowl. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's not the same. It's not going to be thunderous. I told Kevin Donnelly, who's person who played in North Carolina, I said, this should fit you if you were a player. You played at Davidson for two years, so that should be like nothing for you if you're playing. <laughs> so, I mean, there are, there are guys who played, I'm sure, uh, small college games, uh, 5,000 fans. And most of us never got to play behind uh, beyond high school, so many of us never played in front of five thousand fans, let alone only five thousand fans. So it's kind of you know it's a starting point. Hopefully that percentage increases as the season goes on. But I think the Thursday night game was Cleveland Cincinnati, and they didn't pipe in crowd noise. They said Uh, so. It's they had six thousand fans in Cleveland for that game last week. So I'm with you. I think it makes a big difference. Gosh, you
1: missed a real opportunity there to make. Uh, uh it, it will sound like a normal Tampa Bay Buccaneers home game joke. I mean, come on, missing an opportunity. I said that. You <laughs> didn't say done. that.
2: <laughs> you're quicker than me. You already you you already had the joke. Yeah, follow
1: him on Twitter if you haven't already at Jim Zoki. Did the Buccaneers impress you? Did Tom and the Bucks impress you based on what you saw up close in person?
3: I think they'll be good. I think first of all, everyone's talking about the weaponry on offense, that defense should be really good. I mean, they, they've got some big-name guys over there, Adomikin and Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul. It'll be the a first-round pick. Their linebackers, Shaq Barrett, nineteen and a half sacks last year. Devin White, Levante David, physical corners. They're going to be good. Offensively, again, they didn't have Chris Godwin, who's their number one receiver. So even without him, they scored 31 points. I thought, uh, just to skip to the chase here, I thought Brady looked, looked good, not great. Um, and you know maybe the flea flicker, he didn't have a good handle on the ball when he threw out the, the pitch back to him. But I, Shady McCoy dropped, what should have been a touchdown at the end. That was a great run and throw by Brady there. But he did look, you know, not MVP Tom Brady looked good, but he doesn't look like you know Tom in his prime, certainly not. Yeah,
1: and Tom Brady, he's not somebody when we remember Tom, is not going to be remembered for the gaudy passing numbers and having the the John Elway, Brett Favre-like arm. It's about winning games. And yeah. Tampa Bay won over the weekend, and we'll see how many he ends up winning this year. I want to talk about Joe Brady's offense, though, now that we've seen it mm-hmm. for two games. To me, it looks a lot like what we've seen from the Saints the last handful of years with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I see a lot of short High percentage throws. Teddy Bridgewater, 79% completion percentage on Sunday. He's at 72% through the first two games. Do you see the comparison there? Do you think, uh, what stands out to you as the biggest difference between what Joe Brady's running now for Carolina versus what we've grown accustomed to the past decade under Rivera?
3: No, I think you nailed it. I think as advertised, they're going to run a lot of Saints stuff. Uh, sprinkle in some LSU stuff is going to be the bulk of it. I don't know what Baylor ran, but but uh, maybe a little bit of that gets in there. But you got three really good receivers and more Samuel and Anderson, and of course when healthy, Christian McCaffrey. So you you've got that, and you need that to run a Saints style offense. Teddy's thing is he's got to be accurate. You mentioned the percentages; it's that's what he's got to be. He's got to be accurate and. You know, you can't turn the ball over three times. This is not a team that's going to be not only not win; they're not going to be competitive if they turn the ball over four times in a game. And really, to me, it was. Five turnovers because you turned it over on downs on a fake punt on the fourth down play, so you gave it away five times in pretty good field position. So, that, you know, they got to play clean games like the first one against Las Vegas to have a chance to win. And Teddy needs to not overthrow screen passes and throw behind DJ Moore on that second pick and fumble. You know, all those things were really on him and no one else, and he knows that. But um, they'll get better. And you know, again, no preseason; they haven't had a lot of physical working together. Zoom meetings only take you so far. So, I think he'll get better and, and, and more efficient as they go along,
1: Jimbo from the Panthers Radio Network with us here. You're going to be on the call Sunday. It, it, I was going to say in SoFi Stadium with uh, with the team, but what I'm hearing is you guys are actually going to be doing a remote setup for this one. Is that right?
3: Yes, every week we have a different challenge. So the first week was home game, no fans. Last week was road game, uh, Tampa, no fans. This time it will be away game, empty stadium. <laughs> Well, they're in Los Angeles. We'll be in uptown Charlotte in the stadium. So what's that setup going to look like
1: for you guys?
3: You know, it's it's actually, there's a couple different options. It's going to be, it looks like the option's going to be that we're going to set up our booth like we normally do and we're going to bring in some extra screens. So we'll work out of the same radio booth because it's already wired for broadcasting. So why, why move it around when the stadium's empty? And so we'll have the regular TV feed that you'll all see, but we also get the all 22 feed, uh, which is almost like a coach's look on things. Uh, and, and so we'll have that. And uh, I know we we'll talked to some of the broadcast teams like, have done this already, obviously, Atlanta with West Durham and some others. So they've been through it. Uh, Talked to Brent Musburger. They did it. Uh, that first came against us uh, as the voice of the Raiders. And so, um, you know, we'll adjust and we'll do it. So it'll be our first time not seeing a live game. Live again, and some teams have done that. This will be our first time doing that.
1: Yeah, West Durham will be with us on tomorrow's show, the voice of the Falcons, as you noted there. Um, but it shouldn't be that big of an adjustment, considering I know I've been in some of these radio booths on the road. They put you, like, in Mars. Like, Kevin Harlan last night was, was so far away from the field in that stadium, <laughs> that new yeah. Roomba-like stadium that the, the Raiders have, that you're watching a lot of the game and calling a lot of the game from the monitor,
3: right? Depending on what side of the field is, you know, one of our worst is Washington. We have a game in Washington this year, and we are going to travel to that one. And they put you not only in the end zone, like the cornerback pylon of the end zone, but low. So, at least if you're going to be towards the end, you want to be up high where you can see out. And you're right, you get past about the other 40, 30 yard line or so. And you do, you got the binoculars out, you've got the TV, you got a little bit of a delay on the TV, so you're kind of dragging your comments out, catching up with what's going on. So, it is sometimes a little bit of a balancing act uh, because you really can't see at some of these stadiums. And, uh, uh, You've been in a lot of games at different vantage points. I've done college games, too, where yeah. sometimes you're basically putting a photo deck up where the coaches are, and so you just kind of do the best you can, putting it all together. Good luck with it,
1: Jim. Look forward to listening to it. Thanks so much for doing this today. All right. Thanks, Josh. There you go. That's Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network on Twitter, at Jim Zoki. Robert, I want to give the floor to you because there's a Paris Hilton documentary that – is it already out or is it coming out?
0: Yeah, it came out September 14th.
1: Oh, my goodness. This is something that I have a little bit of interest in, but what intrigues you the most about Paris Hilton in 2020?
0: Uh, the trailer is what really got me. Uh, it kind of shows the the image that was up of her from the the sweet life or the surreal life and the sex tape coming out and all of that stuff, but it, she's been playing this character her whole life, this stupid, blonde, party-loving bimbo,
1: but it's not her, but
0: it's not her. And that's what this is delving into, the business side of her where she has her own brand that she's created through the cultivation of media like that before.
1: How many celebrities are like that?
0: And see, I think she's the blueprint because I watched about
1: 45 minutes of it today. But I'm not just talking about dumb bimbo-like. I'm talking about putting on a public image that isn't a lot like who you actually are. Bo Burnham, he had this great song that he sang about country music artists that sing about country things and how they have like this raggedy truck when really they fly like private jets and stuff. They're pandering. They're pandering, right. I think you might see that to a degree with Jimmy Buffett, maybe. I think he might perpetuate an image that doesn't quite fit what type of tax bracket Jimmy Buffett is in.
0: I mean, his you could still like it. His early music, I mean, if you listen to that, I feel like Son of a Sailor and stuff like that really speaks to who Jimmy Buffett is. Yeah. But back to the P- Taylor, or not Taylor, uh,
1: Paris Hilton. Well, Taylor Swift is another one I thought of.
0: Uh, documentary. She. T- uh, it talks about the time when the, the sex tape was leaked and all that stuff and how a lot of people were saying that she did it on purpose in order to further her brand and further her image, which wasn't true at all. And she's talking about how... After this, like a lot of other people's tapes were quote I'm air quoting released as a blueprint to copy her, but really she she's like I didn't do that on purpose I would
1: never electronically are they saying this is the template that Kim Kardashian might have followed they never said her be? by
0: name but I'm sure that that's who they were speaking of
1: I got you and did it, you find did you come away liking. Paris Hilton more from watching
0: that. And yes, and I didn't like her at all before. If you asked me my opinion of Paris before I watched that, I would have just said what everyone would say that she's a dumb bimbo, that she her dad was rich, she got money through that, she didn't have to work hard. Yeah. But after that it shows a lot of the work she does and a lot of the the charity work she does. What's this thing called? Uh I think it's just Paris the documentary. Give me one all second. All right.
1: Well, I'm going to I might actually watch this entire thing now because I love documentaries. And you sold me on it. You told me to ask you about this Paris Hilton documentary. And you know what? I can be difficult to persuade at times. You got me intrigued. What's it called? This is Paris. All right. This is Paris. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I've got three reasons here. I'm feeling optimistic today. We got weekly positivity to do. But I got three reasons why the Panthers are going to be better than people think this year. Three reasons Panther fans should feel optimistic about the 2020 Carolina Panthers. Yes, 2020. And I'll share those with you next on The Drive.
3: What are you talking about?
0: What's he talking about?
3: I'm talking about the one and only Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad.
1: All right, we're through two weeks of the NFL season officially. Last night was the 50-year anniversary of Monday Night Football. And I learned last night, Howard Cosell, born in Winston-Salem. I didn't know that before. But with the Raiders winning last night, they are one of five teams that didn't make the playoffs a year ago that have started the season 5-0. So, Robert, I don't know if we got any music or fanfare here. I'm going to have you bring up a team and simply... I'll tell you if they make the playoffs or if they don't. Does that sound like something you can do? Yeah, I think I can make that work. Okay, who's the first team?
0: Uh, First, give me the Steelers.
1: The Pittsburgh Steelers, yes. Yes! They will make the playoffs. This is the easiest one, I think, of the bunch. Pittsburgh, I'm going to trust Ben Roethlisberger to be good until I see otherwise. Because he's telling people he had pain in his elbow even as he was winning multiple Super Bowls, that's now gone with the surgery he had a year ago. 2018, he had his most passing yards of his career. He looks okay at the start of this season. I thought he was good against Denver, okay against the Giants. It's early on in the year, no preseason, maybe a little bit of rust there. Pittsburgh, in last year... Uh, if, if last this year's playoff format applied to last year, seven teams per conference, Pittsburgh would have made the playoffs with a quarterback named Duck Hodges leading the way and Mason Rudolph. And that dude's probably moving TVs now. Yeah, or saying things that you probably shouldn't be saying around people of color. Anyway. <laughs> Mason's still there. Duck is not. Oh, Mason's still on the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers roster? Yeah, I maybe shouldn't have said that. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they're making the playoffs. Next team. Uh, what about the Raiders? Big win last night. So the Raiders win against the Saints, beat the Carolina Panthers in week one. I don't see them making the playoffs.
2: No, no, no. No, no. no.
1: I just don't believe it. Uh, John Gruden, wear your damn mask. Like, he's going to get fined $100,000, but what's $100,000 to somebody that's making? $100 million over 10 years, probably not a lot. Probably like one percent of what
0: he's made. I'm terrible with percentages. That's probably wrong.
1: You are really bad at percentages, so I would probably stick a, stay
0: away from math on the radio. Speaking Steve, speaking of speaking on the radio, you should do a impression of Gruden receiving his hundred thousand dollar fine.
1: I'll tell you what, man. I'll take a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> fine if it means we come back from two touchdowns against the New Orleans Saints. I mean, that Drew Brees, he's like the he's like the general, man. Ooh,
0: I'll tell you what. Uh, getting away from that as quick as I can. Uh, what about the Rams? What do you
1: think? I'm trying to think. What's the commercial that involves the general? Oh, the
0: General Insurance with Shaq.
1: I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'll think. I'll think Drew Brees with the over the general in those commercials has got the mustache with Shaq, man. I'll tell you what, yeah, the Raiders aren't going to make the playoffs. It's, if they do, it will be really good for this radio show. But he, I see too many issues when it comes to the offensive line. I think the biggest indictment against Carolina is that they could not get a sack against this Raiders O-line, but the Saints lived in the backfield. They lived in the backfield in the first half. Uh, They're also in an incredibly difficult division. They still got the Chiefs over there. I think the Chargers are actually pretty good. So the Raiders are not going to make the playoffs.
0: Uh, What do they think about the Rams?
1: Oh, yeah. Yes! Rams are going to make the playoffs. Yes! Not just saying that because my brother's a season ticket holder. Yes! Tough year to be a season ticket holder. Yes! Got that new beautiful stadium. You can't go to it. The Rams are going to make it. They might actually be the most impressive team through two weeks in the NFC. Robert was ready to jump down my throat, considering he's a Ravens hey, fan no, no. and they've been crushing people. I, I, I'm the down Chiefs, with that. they weren't as impressive on Sunday. Everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, and they still found a way to win that game. But the Rams have been the most impressive team in the NFC. They're running the ball. Turns out they don't need Todd Gurley. They got Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown getting it done. Sean McVay, a lot of people sold stock on him after last year. But the Super Bowl hangover, it tends to be a very real thing. And then guys bounce back. The Rams, heck yeah. Kind of like the Steelers. They would have made the playoffs last year if there were seven teams in the conference as well. That made it. They're definitely going to get in this year.
0: I know you like stock talk, so if you're buying a team when they're down and you expect them to be up, that's called buying the dip. You're Thank buying you. the dip of the Rams right now.
1: I love buying dips.
0: Speaking speaking of a team that you'd definitely be buying the dip on, uh, the Bears. Are they going to make the playoffs?
1: This is going to surprise you. I'm going to say yes. Yes! Wow, The Chicago that does Bears are going to make the playoffs. Last year was a disaster. An absolute disaster. Dumpster fire. They still won eight games. How many games is it going to take for an NFC team to get into the playoffs this year? When you see Minnesota's 0-2, when you see that San Francisco is 1-1 and have all these injuries. Like, I think the Bears make it because they're going to go up against, last I checked, in the NFC North, the Vikings who have looked terrible, and the Detroit corners. Lions. Yeah. So, I think the Bears have really good coaching. Everybody wants to focus on the quarterback and make the team all about the QB. But I like the rest of this Bears roster. I think they do just enough to upgrade from eight wins to around maybe ten, and that's going to be good enough to get in this year, I think.
0: Mm. I think they win a 9-7 and tiebreaker for somebody if they make the playoffs. I think they're going to get in. I really do. I trust you. I trust you. Uh, What about the Cardinals? That's our last one.
1: Still not there yet.
2: I'm going No,
3: no, no. No, no. No.
2: No,
1: This is me being stubborn. I've been thinking about it, thinking about admitting I'm wrong on the Cardinals this week. If they beat the Lions and do so convincingly, winning a game that they're supposed to win and doing it the way they're supposed to do it, then I'll I'll accept defeat on the Cardinals as they get set to play the Panthers next weekend. I'll accept defeat on it. But right now, I'm still looking at Cliff Kingsbury in a division that has the Rams, that has the Seahawks, that has the 49ers. All teams I like more than the Arizona Cardinals, even as San Francisco's dealing with a ton of injuries. I still say no to the Cardinals making the playoffs.
3: No, no, no,
2: no, no. So there you have it. Those
1: are the 2 no. 0 teams that didn't make it a year ago. What I think is going to happen by season's end. Let's try and figure out who the best 0 2 team is. Carolina Panthers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Coach K, what no, do you no, think? No. Yeah,
2: no, no. No
1: Okay, Way, man. Yeah. Got to okay, kidding. Steve Forbes, you don't have to pour it on there. It's not the Panthers.
2: I could give a <laughs> about North Carolina right Roy! now.
1: Roy! That's not nice. All of them. There, there are two candidates, really, for this category. Two teams that you can legitimately convince me. Oh, and 2 you'll probably have a shot at still trying to make the playoffs. That's Minnesota and the Texans. I'm probably going to lean Texans because I trust Deshaun Watson more than I trust Kirk Cousins. And also, holy bleep, they had to play Baltimore and Kansas City to open up the season. Why? Who in the NFL office hates the Texans? Like, what happened there? Because this weekend they have to go up against Pittsburgh, too. You're opening up the season with three 2-0 teams. I mean, and in a division that we would have all pooped on at the beginning of the year. The
0: Jags looking way better than expected. The Titans, I thought they were going to be in a slump. Tannehill looks hot. And the Colts, you got Phillip, who's not throwing as many picks as I expected him to. I still like the Colts to win that division. It, they are so funny that I could believe that would happen.
1: Yeah, I'm in on the Colts. I like Frank Wright, and I actually like that defense. So the Texans, I think they're the best 0-2 team of the bunch. Minnesota, you could talk me into, but, man, they just weren't even close the last two weeks.
0: I think once they play a team that is more on their skill level, a younger team that is still kind of Are we talking about
1: Houston or are we talking about – Minnesota. Minnesota here. Yeah. Detroit's not on their skill level? No, that's what I'm saying. Minnesota – They're not on the same wavelength as the Colts?
0: I think the Colts are a more veteran team. Okay. But the Vikings, they're getting these young guys in there, especially in secondary on the defense. That's why they got blown out against Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is throwing every ball like it's a free play. And I I like the Vikings from a skill standpoint. They have gotten rid of a lot of dudes, but once they get – Longer into the season, I think they'll pull it
1: together. I've got some news, Robert. What you got? Got some news that I think is relevant to where the start of this segment was. According to NFL Network, both Sean Payton and John Gruden are being fined $100,000 for improperly wearing face coverings on the bench area, and each team's getting fined $250K. Let's quickly go to John Gruden for his reaction I'll tell you what, man, you look at the rest of the league. Uh, I mean, we're talking about $1.75 million in total fines and violations in week two, man. Like, what are we going to do the entire season? Uh, no, man, we're going to make the playoffs. I don't care what that Josh Graham guy says. He didn't know anything.
3: Hey, John. I, I almost
1: said a curse word there. That's like me on Monday Night Football, man. I'm well-trained. The John. FCC ain't going to get
0: me. John, does it offend you that Mike Mayock's wife looks better than yours does?
1: I'll tell you what, man, she's a grooting grinder. That's all I care about. <laughs> you know, she knows how to run Spider Two Y banana, if you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> should I do this for eating John? No. Gruden's no, voice? no, no. Oh, I should? No. Okay. Uh Rick butnell man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he had an exclusive interview. With Michael Jordan last night, yeah, that guy's the goat, man. So, we'll we'll he'll share with us what the legend had to say, and uh, we'll talk about the Hornets in the NBA playoffs, man. It's next on the drive. Woo!
2: Here we come. I'm
1: talking about Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've said this. A handful of times before this week. But I don't think anybody better embodies the North Carolina sports scene than Michael Jordan. When I think North Carolina sports, what we do right, basketball went to Carolina now owns the Hornets. Loves golf. He's lost a lot of money on the golf course. I think about auto racing, and last night he's in uh, a partnership with Denny Hamlin, owning a NASCAR team, and adding Bubba Wallace as their one and only driver And if I can add another sport for good measure, how about fishing as well? He was involved with the Big Rock Blue Marlin tournament earlier this year. And how about this get yesterday? Rick Bunnell joining us, Hornets, longtime beat writer with the Charlotte Observer. He went one-on-one with Jordan, and you can find the story at charlotteobserver.com, an exclusive interview figuring out why he wanted to get involved with NASCAR. Rick, the time is... uh, Certainly appreciate it. I don't know if there was a prior relationship between Bubba and Michael, but what made partnering with Denny Hamlin and Bubba being the driver the perfect opportunity for Michael?
2: Well, Denny Hamlin was definitely the matchmaker and the the driver in this. Uh, Michael told me that about 10 days ago, Hamlin called him up uh, and said that he was confident that he would be able to sign Bubba as a driver and asked Michael if he wanted to be part of this. Uh, Michael's reaction, according to him, was, that's perfect. Uh, the idea of of Jordan, um, who had, by the way, and this may surprise people, has been a motorsports fan his whole life. His father used to put the family in the car on Sundays and take day trips. Um, to like five different NASCAR tracks stretching from Richmond to Talladega. Um, Michael owned a motorcycle racing team for a while. Motorsports really do intrigue him. Um, but it had to be the right situation for the, him to make this sense. And the idea of both Bubba being the driver and a, the, the, um, the initiation of, a relationship with Joe Gibbs racing. Um, I think those two factors, in conjunction with the fact that he is very used to working with with, with Hamlin, um, made this all sense.
1: The Joe Gibbs part was the one piece in your story that surprised me a little bit. If I had to guess, I would think his relationship, if he was going to have a partnership and involvement with somebody who owned uh, a racing team, it might be... Brad Darnity, Did he have any conversations with Brad? Did his name come up?
2: I have no idea about that, but I think you need to keep in mind that, you know, Hamlin knows Joe Gibbs Racing so gotcha. well. And, gotcha. and, and Gibbs' um, operation is so state-of-the-art. What Michael said that people really ought to keep in mind is in, his, in the seven years that he owned that motorcycle racing team, the lesson that he he uh, took from that is that if you it, – it's like that scene from Days of Thunder. If you don't have the right equipment, if you don't have the manufacturing support, if you do not have not just the parts, but the data to properly use them to set up the cars for each track, all that stuff. And there's – you know, it is so dramatically more sophisticated than it was 10, 15 years ago in that regard – but you don't have a shot um michael has not said that they are definitely going to be a toyota team but he made it very clear to me that there is a uh, of the start of a, of a relationship with gibbs racing that says to me that they will end up kind of a satellite team to them um i'm not an expert on nascar but i think that there was a relationship similar to that at one time with Truex's team. Wasn't there a a, a team out of Denver um, that was effectively a satellite of the Gibbs organization?
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, You you got Colorado, you nailed that there. Um, Rick Benell's with us here. Read that story again, charlotteobserver.com. Follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore. But now, I know you are an expert on all things NBA and the Hornets, they're getting set for this. Um, We'll call it bubble camp, that they're allowing for... Eight teams, the eight teams that weren't invited to Orlando. What will be James Borrego and Mitch Kupchak's number one priority with this bubble camp?
2: I talked to JB about this Thursday. He uh, he's really looking forward to this being a bonding exercise. You know what's different about this um, is they the in order to get approval from the union to do this, these eight teams. Have to create basically little mini bubbles. The teams are quarantined from the outside world for two weeks, and Borrego sees that as a plus because these these guys have been, you know, hither and yon for six months, and literally the only thing they could do in the training facility, other than lift weights, was individually be at a basket with one, you know, with an assistant coach, you know, in a mask and gloves basically rebounding for them it's not like you could they, they couldn't even go two on two much less five on five uh starting wednesday they have two weeks when they can practice every day and specifically they're allowed to scrimmage for an hour a day josh i want you to think about this yeah in the absence of this being approved the hornets not only would have gone 10 months without playing a game the hornets would have gone 10 months without a scrimmage
1: that's incredible for a young team, isn't
2: it? It's, it's incredible for any team. Um, Mitch Kupchak told me before the lottery, you know, you know, Mitch is very careful with his words. So when he says something kind of blunt and passionate, I really pay attention to it. Mitch told me that he was fearful that by not being part of the, the restart, the Hornets may have lost a year to a year and a half of, of competitive disadvantage to the teams that were there.
1: I'm interested in what you make of what's happening in the bubble where the Lakers tonight are trying to go up three games to nothing on the Denver Nuggets. It seemed like to me the Clippers, they had a ton of guys to throw at Jamal Murray. Paul George, Pat Beverly, of course Kawhi Leonard. But they really didn't have anybody who could stop Nikola Jokic. And while Anthony Davis isn't stopping Jokic much on one end of the floor – it seems that Jokic is having a ton of problems stopping AD as he went for 31 and had the game-winning shot a couple nights ago. Do you view the Lakers as the favorite right now out of the four teams left to hold the trophy up when this is all said and done?
2: Yes, probably by default. Um, I would say two things about that. Um, first off, maybe based on recent history, the, the Nuggets just want to go ahead and be down 3-1 because that's obviously <laughs> where they're at their best. Um, but the other thing I would say, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Jokic guy. Um, a mutual friend of ours, Brendan Marks, um, his girlfriend Hannah, who isn't a big basketball fan, is just a gigantic Jokic fan, and I <laughs> and I get why because I hate the word unique because I think it's so vastly overused. Jokic is a unique player. Kemba told me at All Star Weekend a year ago um, that Jokic is the best passer in the league and I look at him I said best passing big man and he said that's not what I said Rick you know there it, he is the idea that somebody of that size is a you know is such a dangerous perimeter player who sees passes that literally nobody else in the league sees that makes them incredibly entertaining the problem is he's got to guard somebody else and right now AD is you know just has hit his stride and is attacking and doing fantastic things reaching his potential. Um I think the Lakers will win this series. I on the other hand I I have no idea who's going to win Boston and Miami. Um the only absolute conclusion I can draw um from the Boston and Miami series is this is a testament to something I thought for a while which is that Eric Foster is clearly the best coach in the league. Shouldn't
1: the Hornets look at Miami? as the template for how they can build a successful team. Sure, they don't have a Pat Riley, so to speak, but they do my they do have a coach that they trust right now, a general manager. They have faith in as well. And when you look at the best players on that team, Bam Adebayo, not a top-10 pick. Jimmy Butler, he was picked at the end of the first round a long time ago. And I'm thinking about Tyler Hero as well, another guy taken at the back end of the lottery. That's where the Hornets have been picking the last few years, and all I've heard from Hornets fans, yeah, we can't really do anything unless we're picking in the top five, and on top of that, we have all these bad contracts. Last I checked, Miami had a ton of money devoted to Tyler Johnson and had a ton of money devoted to Dion Waiters at this time last year. They got from underneath that, and look at them now, Rick.
2: Well, I do agree with you that there are lessons that the Hornets and a lot of other organizations can learn from the Heat, and the biggest one being... How you do development right? The caution, though, in the in in what you just laid out is not everybody has a cruise ship, um, multi multi <laughs> multi billionaire Arizona.
1: Mickey Arison.
2: Um, Mickey Arison's wealth and the fact that he has you know that he just tells Pat Riley to do whatever is good in the basketball sense um, that can make a lot of mistakes go away um michael is i saw. i looked this up last night according to forbes michael is currently worth 1.6 billion and he is the organization there are a few minority owners but trust me michael is the the uh, bankroll um 1.6 billion sounds like an awful lot of money and it would buy and sell you and me you know a thousand times over it is not a great net worth um, compared to a lot of these people who own major league franchises, they can't afford to make mistakes and they've made a lot of them financially. Um, the biggest, the biggest lesson they should take from the rich show era is, as, you know, like they didn't, they didn't draft well and that really cost them. But even more so than that, they got into an ugly habit of overpaying players who didn't make a difference. And that's got to stop. That's why I think it's so funny. When I, you know, now that they're finally going to get out of cap jail, that you hear people suggesting these weird things like trading for Al Horford's contract,
1: to put Michael Jordan's net worth in perspective, the way that you were just noting there, less than two billion, more than one billion. David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, is worth more than thirteen billion dollars. So yeah, uh, one billion, we all like it, but when you're Putting that side by side with Mickey Harrison or a David Tepper, it just pales in comparison. Rick, great stuff with Michael Jordan yesterday. I really enjoyed reading that. Thank you for spending the time in the triad today.
2: Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Oh yeah. Jammin'. I was about to say yeah, jamming with Rick thank, thank you, Rick Bennell. I'm a little bit um, I'm a little bit disoriented. I don't know why we had <laughs> what is that song? I don't even know what that song is.
0: Give Me Two Steps by Leonard Skinner.
1: Oh, yeah, some Leonard Skinner on the way out. You know, just trying to change the entire vibe of things. I'm telling you, I've got hot fingers today. I'm just hitting everything. Rick Banal. Appreciate him spending the time with us. All right, we need to talk about a couple of things. Robert is just lambasting me during the commercial break about my... John Gruden impression, saying that it's terrible, and he says that he's been getting calls about how bad it is. Then I get this tweet here from Johnny who says, that Gruden impression was absolutely amazing and spot on. Please do more. Does do know what it is.
0: Does Johnny have a profile picture? Yes, he does. How many followers does he have?
1: <sighs> That's not nice what you're about to do. He has over
0: 400 followers. Okay, he might be a real person, but he also might be certifiably insane. Because I mean you also got a call of someone saying that it was terrible. That's what I just said.
1: All right. You let me know if it's terrible. We'll we'll leave it up to the audience. So you're gonna do it again? Okay. No, what is something What is something sports fans love the Herb Brooks speech. Right? The Herb Brooks speech and miracle is something in sports that I think people really gravitate to from the movie Miracle. Okay? So I'm going to read that speech in John Gruden's voice and you just let me know. 336-777-1600 if it's a good (sighs) impression or not. Are you ready? No. But go ahead. Great moments are born from great opportunity, man. And that's what we have here tonight, boys. That's what we've earned here tonight, man. One game... If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game, man. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down, man. Because we can. Tonight, we're the greatest football team in the world, man. Yeah, I'm leaking confidence now. I didn't think that's as good as... The, I what I figured is it's incredibly limited that's what it is like if I'm doing I'll tell you what man or if I'm doing spider do I banana aside from that it's pretty useless. Who am I going to here uh, Mark in advance Let's go to mark in advance <laughs> <laughs> yes could not have been any better than that. Oh, man. I love when that happens, honestly. you love it when we go to the phone line and
0: then they're just gone. It used to be a prank I would play on you, and now its callers
1: are just dumping themselves off the line. You've never told me that it was a prank, that I would go to the line saying, hey, can we go to Mark in Greensboro real quick? And And then I go to the line and all I get is, I thought it was always callers drop. I didn't think it was ever Robert just doing a prank on me. It's not really nice. We got B-Dot who's going to be in studio with us tomorrow. We're excited about that. Uh, in addition to that, West Durham is going to be with us. I think the voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon. If it's not Mick, maybe Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports. So we got a lot jam-packed into tomorrow's show. However, and wherever you are listening, I appreciate that. Robert is signaling for me to go to the phones right now. Is this an actual call, or is this a fake call?
0: This is a real one. I would never do that to
3: you.
1: All right, let's go to Tom in Winston-Salem. Tom, what do you think of the Gruden impression?
3: That was terrible. Unbelievable. You did, you did better before, but this one was bad. You should read you should read a grocery list or something. Hank Ruden's voice. No, like, don't uh, give it. all right. No. you know what?
1: Tom, can you stay on hold for a second and then I can read a grocery list real quick and you tell me hey, whether sir. or not I do a good job with it? I'm listening. All right, I got a template real quick. You know, I actually have on my phone a grocery list. things I need to go when I go to Costco. Are you ready for this, Robert? Unfortunately, I'll tell you what man, I gotta pull up this notes app real quick. Tell you what, eh, these Oakland Raiders. No, we're Las Vegas now. We got this. We're started doing. I need to get a dozen eggs. Then I go to the dairy aisle and I'm gonna grab two percent milk. Don't give me any of that whole milk. Don't want that. Give me some full milk, some two percent here. Tell you what, man. And then I'm gonna go with pepper jack cheese, man. Pepper jack. That's what I'm rocking with. I'm not going with the uh, sharp cheddar. I'm going with the Pepper Jack and get two loads of it, man, so we can have some burritos, man.
3: All right, Tom, how did I do there? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was worse. than, than All right, get out of here,
1: bur- Tom. You know what? Like, I'm trying. Trying my best. Mike and Elkin, how bad was that impression or how good was that impression?
3: Well, were you trying to be Kurt Russell or John Gruden doing the uh, mir- victory, the vi- I mean, the miracle
1: uh, pregame. I forget. We have Mike. Thing. We have Mike and Elkin, who's turpentine Mike, and we have Mike and Elkin, who every single time I bring up hockey is calling in. Every single time. Do you have an alert on your phone that when I bring up anything hockey related, it's like like the bat signal? I need to quickly call into Josh's show.
2: No, but when I was younger and in grade school, when we used, you know, in early, you might find this. in early grade school, we used to play Batman out on the field <laughs> ground and I was always Commissioner Gordon. Yeah!
1: <laughs> there you go! There you go! Thank you so much for the call, Mike and <laughs> That's just such a delightful story. Hey, and you know, I- first day, I've never told this story on the air before, Robert, because I haven't thought about it in years and years and years. First day out in kindergarten, We had uh, recess, and we were playing Batman, and I was Batman. The kid was the Joker that I was going up against. I pushed him off a swing, and I got suspended from school the next day. You badass. First day I was in school. American badass.
0: All right, these are for you saying that I've never pranked you with the phone dial. I pulled these up, and you told me they would never see the light of day, but here they are. Here's the first one. Oh,
1: you still have these.
0: Hey, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, And then this is the one where you got really ticked off at me because it was an important guest.
1: Like legitimately mad? Yeah. Listen to your voice. Hey, Danny. So it must have been Danny Manning. Why would you do that? (laughs) Really? Why would you do that? I trampled over it. Can you play that again? (laughs) Hey, Danny. (laughs) Really? Why would you do that? You were so
0: upset. We were expecting Danny Manning (laughs) and you were ticked. You were not having it.
1: That's fantastic. I I didn't know you had this archived. No, I save all the good stuff. I didn't know you had this archived. Ryan tweets in, your grunted impersonation makes me want to smash my radio. My ears are bleeding. Robert, what do we got in ticket to the house if there's time? Gucci overalls. That's next on The Drive.